Welcome to the Black Doctor Collective Podcast. We as Black doctors are in a unique position. We can change our communities, healthcare, and the world. Of course, we start by changing the way we see and value ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Shanika Horn, pediatrician and physician coach, travel extraordinaire. I am so happy to have you here and listening. So let's get into it. Happy Tuesday. What are y'all doing to celebrate milestones? That's the question I'm talking about. I was listening to Oprah's Super Soul podcast. She has a podcast version of the show. And I was listening to it yesterday. And I listened to a couple episodes back to back. And most recently, she has been featuring the cast of The Color Purple. So one of the episodes I listened to was with Danielle Brooks, who plays Sophia in this latest version of The Color Purple. Um, And she also plays one of my favorite characters from Orange is the New Black. Don't know if y'all have seen that, but such a good show. And she's such a great actress. So Oprah asked her what playing the role of Sophia has taught her. And she refers back to the fact that she played this role on Broadway initially. And when she first started this role, there was a song, I think it's called Hell No, where it's you're rising up against being treated terribly. And so she says the that role, particularly that song, taught her to really take up space, to appreciate that she really did deserve to be where she was. And I always am thrown off when I hear famous people that I think are are powerful, when they express sentiments that sound like imposter syndrome, I'm always amazed. It really throws me off. How can someone so famous, so accomplished, have the same kind of doubts as me, let alone me? Can't they see everything that they've accomplished? And then I think about it and I realize it's literally just how our brain works. (laughs) I'm at brunch today. Yes, in the middle of the day on a weekday with my virtual assistant, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. And we were talking about goals, just general goals, things for her life, things for my life things within the business that we're working on. She was mentioning that when she hit a certain financial threshold that she had promised herself a pair of sneakers. She's like, when I hit this goal, this monthly financial goal, I'm going to get this pair of sneakers. And then she talks about the fact that she's subsequently hit that goal more than once and she has never bought the sneakers. And I was thinking about how we set these goals. We don't log that we've hit them. We just move on to the next goal. While we're doing that, while we are working on the goal, we are bargaining, right? We're telling ourselves, if I accomplish this goal, then I will, and we fill in some reward. We promise to reward ourselves, and then we don't do it. We break our promises to ourselves. This to me contributes to why we so easily remember all the bad things that have happened and quickly forget the good. A lot of times when we think about 
something, a hurdle or obstacle that has come up, it's like our mind stays with the obstacle. So if you are, let's use something medically related. If you are someone who has failed an exam of any kind, in your mind, you are that person that failed the exam. You don't think about what you learned through the failure. You don't think about how much you've done from the time that you ended that exam, walked out of that exam to where you are now, all the things that you've accomplished in between. In your mind, you're stuck at the failure. And I always have to remind people that's not who you are because you are not even taking into account the lessons you've learned in having had that experience. So I think the other part of it is when we do have a success, then we want to downplay it. I know for me, I straight up forget. I forget with frightening regularity how awesome I am, how many things I have accomplished, how many goals I have executed. So often I have to remember or someone reminds me. I think when it catches me is when someone like, an older Black person, whether it's a relative or a family friend or a patient, someone around the hospital or in a clinic sees you as a Black doctor, and they, they stop to acknowledge how proud they are. And you could just see it by the way that they look at you, that you have accomplished something that they think was miraculous or amazing. You get that from their facial expressions. I realize in that moment, I'm having this conversation that becoming a doctor is a huge feat that many do not accomplish. Do I remember that at baseline? No. Do I remember that I am a member of a small percent of the population who has accomplished a very specific career goal, a difficult career goal? I don't. In those moments is when I start to think about me, the individual. For me to become a doctor specifically, all of the things that had to happen. I always talk about being first generation, college student in America. My mom actually went to college here, but locally because it didn't transfer from the Caribbean. But I was the first to go away to college. I didn't know anybody in my family that did that. I had to manage a lot of things to go to college, to go away to school. I think about medical school. I had to leave all of my family and friends and the country that I had lived in up until that point and move to the island of Grenada, a country I had never been to, to undergo a rigorous education program surrounded by strangers. Medical school is no joke. What with the volume and the stress levels, the tests, the pressure, the competition. I finished medical school. I moved to the state of New Jersey, again, a place I had never lived in and didn't know anyone, to become a pediatrician through my residency program. During residency, as if I wasn't chronically exhausted, <laughs> I headed the wellness committee. I was the chair of our wellness committee for our program, leading all kinds of initiatives, trying to combat burnout while being burnt out. I 
decided to do something off the beaten path with my away elective. And I traveled alone to Ecuador and Peru to do some international uh, work with children, left residency and went into a global health fellowship where I moved to the state of, Nar to, of Arizona to live amongst the Navajo. I had no idea if I'd even truly met a Native American, an indigenous person in the country of America, which is shameful. But in this country, I don't know that I knew anyone of any Native descent. And I'm not talking about the Black people who call themselves Cherokee. I learned in being in Indigenous communities that there's different qualifications for being able to claim that tribe. And in Cherokee, you have to be one in 256. Who has to prove that you are one in 256% like Cherokee? Come on now. That's what makes Cherokee Nation the largest indigenous population in this country. Anyway, I digress. I moved to Navajo Nation. I met a whole new population of people that I had never had the privilege of working with, being with, by the way, beautiful community over in Arizona and New Mexico. I moved to Liberia in West Africa. I had been on the continent. There's 50, what, 54 countries in Africa? They're all completely different. I went to Liberia sight unseen, having never lived there and worked there for months at a time. I came back in the pandemic. I moved to a new hospital in New Mexico, another state, never been. Same population of, of Navajos, but totally different hospital system, obviously different people. I was tasked to use my public health degree to create an outreach program to head up a pandemic. I'd never been in a pandemic and I'd never used my public health degree. Created entire community response, ran the strike team to do drive-through testing across 16 different communities across Navajo Nation, I did all that, still left fellowship, decided to prioritize myself, take time off to figure things out for myself. I decided that medicine had consumed so much of me and my life and had destroyed so many other people through burnout that I had to find an alternate path. I decided to find an alternate path when medicine is prized on conformity. I taught myself how to negotiate. I started a business. I started this podcast. I mentor med students and on. Do you think I remember these things on a regular basis? No. 99% of the time, I feel like me. I think about my failures. I think about the fact that I didn't pass my peds boards when I took it the first time. Those are the things that play in my head when I'm going for a job, not the fact that I have this impressive resume. I think about, oh, I have to declare certain things on my application. I have to talk about these things. That is what sticks out in my mind. Imagine all of the things that I have accomplished. I write them on the resume and I forget about them. And I only focus on talking about all of the things that I have done wrong or gotten wrong or failed at. A human brain is crazy. It's crazy in there. I would love, if you haven't done so recently, I want you to pause the episode here 
and spend a few minutes just reflecting on all that you have done. Just a quick run through, doesn't have to be long, but just the way I just rattled off so many things that I have gone through in order to be where I am today. And then when you finish that, I want you to take another moment to think about whether or not you have celebrated all of these milestones or maybe you're past due for a celebration. Okay, now that you're back from the pause and I really hope you did it, or at least do it after if you haven't done it, I want to talk about why this is so important, why I'm imploring you to do this. I wanna emphasize this because not celebrating your milestones is going to be harmful for you in the long run. I, you might be wondering, and maybe not, but you might be wondering, what does this have to do with negotiation? Everything. This lack of celebration, lack of acknowledging how awesome you are is a problem. If you are not stopping to celebrate yourself, then you are not actively contributing to your belief of self. You are not building yourself up. You are not internalizing who you actually are. And when it comes time to sell yourself, you're going to have a hard time. It is going to be very difficult to back up what you're asking for, to ask for a whole bunch of stuff because you have forgotten exactly who you are and everything you bring to the table. When I talk about contributing to your belief of self, I mean building up your self-esteem, literally. Because when it comes time to even dream about what it is you want, you're gonna have to work really hard to convince yourself that you deserve it. When you don't feel like you deserve something, what do you do? I know for me, I will delay rest, for example. I, I have grown up believing that rest is earned and it's not true. We spend a third of our lives sleeping for a reason. It's because it's innate, it's a requirement. But when it comes time to rest, I often will try to accomplish one more thing. I will make a list and see if there's any other things I can check off for the day. And then I lay down thinking about how many things I need to get done not fully enveloping or embracing the fact that I should be resting. And when I am rested, that's when the best things happen. That's when the, my best work comes out. I will often talk myself out of the reward. I will talk myself out of the rest. I will justify why I need to keep going, keep pushing, just one more thing, just, oh, and let me don't forget and all of these stuff, right? I was talking to a client about this the other day. Uh, part of the coaching is that we do track milestones because I know that we have a tendency to forget all that we've accomplished. And we were really going through some of the milestones, how far she's come in the last four months she was saying to me that she wanted to limit her how much she gave herself accolades because she didn't want to become arrogant. Isn't it so interesting how our minds work? So in order to stay humble or in efforts to remain humble, we're telling ourselves that we shouldn't celebrate too much. 
this is also, this is false, right? Because I made the point that arrogant people don't stop to wonder or consider how not to be arrogant. Nine times out of 10, if you're worried about being a good person or you're worried about being too arrogant, that's a good sign that you'll never be the bad person that you're worried about. Bad people don't self-reflect. Instead, however, you could be significantly limiting yourself with the lack of acknowledgement and subsequently a lack of self-belief. Ask yourself this, are you one of those people who downplays things? Someone who compliments, someone will compliment your outfit and you'll say, oh, these old things, or you know what? I, I only paid $12.99 for this at TJ Maxx. Really proud that you did something at a discount, but just to make it seem like you are so down to earth or so relatable, all of these behaviors are evidence of the way you're not allowing yourself to bask in praise, both internally and externally. Someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. Instead, you want to justify why you're just a regular person. You're not a special unicorn. You are a special unicorn. Accept it. I see this all the time when I'm talking to clients, right? Especially potential clients. The lack of self-belief affects so much of what they do, even their decision on whether or not to be coached, whether or not they want to invest in themselves in that way comes out of whether they believe in their ability to get it done. It believes in their recognition that they deserve to invest time and resources in themselves. This subsequently affects how they negotiate or even just their baseline willingness to negotiate. So this is why I think this is something you need to start addressing now, because changing your mind, your thoughts, your beliefs, it takes time. It is actual neurobics. There's a study called neurobics where it is you reprogramming how your brain is naturally been thinking. It's natural patterns, right? The way that you do things, like the way you get up in the morning and brush your teeth is habitual. It's a neuro pathway. It already exists. You've reinforced it over time. So to change a behavior is neurobics. Our brain loves to follow a pattern. It hates change because change requires energy, which means trying to change how you view yourself or how you live your life requires some level of consistency. You cannot claim to want a soft life if you don't believe in yourself, it cannot happen because being soft means that you will rest, you will leisure, you will frolic. If you don't allow yourselves to do that even now, it's going to be a hard sell for your brain. Thinking back on the conversation I mentioned earlier with my virtual assistant, I was talking about when I hired her, I had one client. And so I could have postponed investing in a virtual assistant because I didn't think I was ready, quote unquote. But I had belief in my business and I had belief that I would grow. The investment was made before the results. When I applied to college, when I applied to medical school, I signed up for six figures worth of student loans because I believed I was going to get the result. I believed that I would have a lucrative career to repay it. Now, someone should have told me I probably shouldn't have gone into pediatrics, but that's neither here nor there. The question is, 
do you have that level of belief in the future? When you envision for yourself your future, there's so many of us telling ourselves that we will never get there. Oh, I'll never be a millionaire. I just need enough money to survive and to live a good life. We downplay because we do not have the belief. It's just not there. And part of that is because of our own expectations of self set by the fact that we do not reward, we do not celebrate. If you know that you have not been celebrating yourself, that is your first next step. That's the next step you need to make. That's what I'm encouraging you to do this week and through the rest of the year. In fact, join me because I too am still working on it. I plan to celebrate this year. I My VA asked me, how do I plan to do that? And I told her, I have built in trips throughout the course of the year already, knowing that I deserve it, knowing that I am building a life in which leisure is automatically included because it is part of the life I want to live. And it's not based on if I've accomplished X goal or not. It is based on the fact that I deserve, period. That I am worthy of taking a vacation every month if I feel like it. I'm worthy of not working in January. I'm worthy of not working on weekends or overnights or 24 hour calls. All of that is available to me because I have decided I believe it. So ask yourself what you're believing about yourself. What are the ways that you are missing celebrations in your life and how that is impacting your ability to get to your goals in the future? Let me know. I always love to hear you guys' feedback. Thank you always for sharing stuff with me, especially on Instagram in the DMs or even in emails, I value so much your input. All right, have a great week. Be celebratory. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And what I want you to do next is write a review. I'm going to make this so easy for you. Just go ahead and give me five stars, but also leave a comment that tells me how we can be off the charts. I want you to link us everywhere you can, Instagram at The Black Doctor, The Black Doctor website to join our newsletter. Just become part of our collective. I want you here. Thanks. Until next time. Bye.